Father, thank you that you are with us, you are for us, you are in us. God, thank you that you turn your face toward us and your desire is to give us blessing upon blessing upon, upon blessing. Father, may we look to you and not to other people or other things to find our peace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this song uh, is a great one. And uh, having Kevin, uh, my son, uh, lead worship. Kev, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but when we would pray at night uh, when you were little, we would uh, have our prayer requests, and then the, my closing would be to pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, give you peace, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there was a time when you said, I want to do the closing prayer. And so I said, well, sure, that would be great. And you said, so you said, let me put my, and I would always put my hands on your head when I would do that, and you and, and Lauren, and uh, this one time, you put your hands on my head, and you said, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, wow, well, what was this all about? And then I realized the next night, when I then prayed for you guys, that was what I was doing to you guys. I had my hands like, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Anyway, great song. Thanks for leading. I do remember that. Not the, not the head, head butt. Head butt but, <laughs> but I do remember that and actually do that with, uh, with my boys now too. So oh, minus the head butt. Also. Minus the head butt. <laughs> oh, great worship today. Uh, so I am so glad that you're here. And uh, one of the things that I hope that you know is that God is for you. He's not against you. And as we looked at that Psalm 23, uh, you know, this is an interesting season for us. And as we uh, give thought to what is this pause revealing about you? What is this pause revealing in you? What is God wanting to birth in you? So uh, there's never too late for you to give uh, some time to thinking about that. Uh, We've been looking at our whole issue of hope. Our driving passage that we've looked at every week has been in Hebrews six nineteen. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. This hope is a strong, not weak, not anemic. This hope is a strong and trustworthy, faithful anchor for our soul, which is what we need. And so we've been saying, how does the resurrection play into this? How do we continue to allow the resurrection to impact our lives? And what we've realized is hope's name is Jesus. And we've come up with these, uh, these truths about Jesus. Jesus is with you. Jesus is in you. Last week we looked at this. Jesus has a BHAG for you, old school terminology for big, hairy, audacious goal for you. Now, don't, don't just fly past this because it's, it's a tendency for, for there to be familiarity with the things we've been talking about. But I, I want you to, to make sure you encompass all of this, that your hope is in Jesus Christ. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is with you. 
the creator of the universe, the one who holds it all together, the one who spoke the world into being, the one who holds it all together, the one who names every star, the myriads of stars, that person is with you, and not only is he with you, he is in you, and he has this amazing mission for you, and we don't want to miss it. If all of those things are true, that Jesus is with you, Jesus is in you, and Jesus has this amazing, huge goal for you, which is he's equipped you for it. I mean, you think about the things in your life, the way that you are gifted, the way you are talented, that your passions God has created you for a purpose, and so the things that drive you, the things that make you a powerful person, God has this plan for us. So if that is what God's plan is, then what could derail that? Because the evil one, Satan, does not want you to live out of God's call on your life at all. He wants you to move into a different direction. He wants to derail this. He wants you to be focused on something other than that. And I would call it your shadow mission. And a shadow mission is similar to God's mission in this, in, in this case. Your shadow mission is all about your gifts, all about your calling, all about your talents. It's all about how you're most powerful, just like God's call on your life is because he made you powerful. He gave you gifts. He gave you talents. And so it has this commonality in it. And yet what Satan wants to do is he wants you to use that gift and that calling and those talents and how you're powerful. He wants you to use them for something other than what God wants. And that would be your shadow mission. We don't want this to happen. And so we want to look at Romans 8. So I'll give you a moment to find Romans 8. Romans 8 will be the driver that will help us realize that God is for us, not against us, and that he has this huge plan for us, and he gives us the keys to be able to overcome and not fall to our shadow mission. Romans 8, 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Now, why would Paul take time to bring that? He could have brought up any number of other words, but he used this one. He said, there is no condemnation for those who are Christ followers. In other words, what he's saying is, is that what Satan is going to do, he is going to condemn you. He wants to, to get you off track. He wants you to focus elsewhere. What I found is that shame and comparison are some of Satan's greatest tools that he will use. Think about this. They, they're the, the same, uh, different ends of the same stick. Shame on one side, comparison on the other. Shame and comparison, they're dark, they're hopeless, they're destructive. They are chain-giving. They are, shame is is not measuring up. And that is what Satan wants to do. He wants to convince you through condemnation that you are not good enough, that you don't have what it takes. Shame is inward directed. Comparison is outward directed where we look to see what everybody else is doing. And we, again, he reminds us that we're not good as so-and-so. We're not where we ought to be. It's all about looking outward and that is the real difficulty here is that shame and comparison are horizontally driven. One is inward, one is outward. But the key is who you're listening to because conviction is upward driven. And there's a huge difference between being condemned and being convicted. 
And so when, when I spend time alone with God, God convicts me of areas that, that I'm looking horizontally instead of vertically for, that I'm looking to other people or other situations to change. And he says, I, wanna, I want you to, to change and, and focus your attention vertically. I want you to think in terms of my relationship because I have huge plans. I have this big, hairy, audacious plan and goal for you. And I don't want it to be derailed by looking by allowing Satan to, to use shame. As I said, the, the shame and comparison are horizontally, not vertically driven. And the key is who you're listening to. So Louis Giglio talks about it boils down to who you invite to your table. Because lives change around your table. The feet that come under your table those are the lives that influence you. Those are the lives that will be changed. So be careful who you invite to your table. Psalm 25, 23 verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now think about this. You've heard this before. If you want to know what you're going to be like in five years, two major things that take place that determine the trajectory of where you're going to be five years from now. The things that you listen to, the people you listen to and read, so what you read, what you listen to, and the people you hang out with, the people you invite to the table. Kurt Liesfeld used to always talk to me, he said, uh, you need to develop this, this board of directors. And the board of directors are people that believe in you and want you to succeed, but people who are also... Uh, honest enough that they will say, it looks like you're moving off track. It looks like you're not moving in the direction that you need to be going. And I want to challenge you. I want, to, I want you to, 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 to move in a different direction because it's not conducive to your calling. And so, Kurt Leesville, always you say, be careful who you bring to your board of directors. So, I've thought about that and used that. I still do. In fact, at 1 o'clock today, I'll be talking to one of the members of my board, so to speak, who believes in me, but also who speaks honestly to me. And as I talk with this person about what it means for me to live out my God-given gifts and abilities, and this person keeps me from uh, living in shame of, of just not being good enough or not feeling like I am uh, measure up, this person will also... Help me not to always look outward at what, comparing myself to other people to say, what are you doing with what God has called you? You see, for a short time, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What Satan wants to do is come to your table. And if you don't stop him, he'll be the one sitting at your table. And he will try to erode your confidence in God. He will tell you you're alone in this fight. He will tell you you have no choice and no chance. Louis Giglio goes on to say, if the enemy is at your table, he will try to convince you that you will not make it. He will work to spin your head around and remind you that you're surrounded and everyone is out to get you. He will tempt you with thoughts that there's something better at another table and that God is holding out on you. You have to choose instead to believe that your shepherd promised to lead you through that valley, that he's always with you, that he knows what is best for you, and that you are his beloved child. Be careful who you invite to your table. 
Joni Erickson Tata put it this way, my growth in Christ can probably be boiled down to one word, choose. Choosing the right path is hard. Choosing the right people to be around your table. And, and the, the point that I want to make with this is that you are ridiculously in charge of who is at your table. You are ridiculously in charge of who is not invited to your table. Be careful. Be wise. Make sure that you are choosing the right voices to be around your table because lives change around the table. The conversations that have, uh, you have at your table, they are trajectory setting. And they will move you towards God's call in your life or they will move you away from God's call. So the question that you'll want to pose and muse upon is this. How has or how is Satan attempting to work his way to your table, into your thinking? How is this affecting your view of circumstances? Who's at the table? Now, for me, for a moment of self-disclosure, I would say that the voice that I can tend to allow at the table is that of shame. I've talked a little about that, that I'm not good enough and compared to others. Uh, Pastor Brett sent uh, an article that I read. I found just incredibly insightful by John Dobbs. And he's talking about how pastors, how they're dealing with all the changes And here's what he said. Some ministries were already online and had everything they need in place. Many of us, us New Cub included, many of us, however, did not. So we can tend to look at what other churches are producing and that makes our efforts feel anemic. Ministers would like to plan ahead. They would like to forecast a visionary approach to the work and proceed with energized hopes. However, like everyone else, We don't know what happens the next day, much less the next five Sundays. Contingency plans can be made, but one never knows what the next steps ought to be. My tendency can be to be overwhelmed with all of the options of what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And that is what Satan wants to do. He wants to be invited to my table, and sometimes I can allow him there, and other times I realize what is happening and decide he is not welcome at my table. I don't know if shame in comparison is what the evil one tries to get you to focus upon to derail God's big, hairy, audacious goal for you because he's with you. He has huge plans for you, and Satan does not want you to embrace that. And so if he doesn't use shame in comparison, he'll try self-absorption. Look at Romans 8 again, beginning with verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We're fallen people. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like our bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did what we can't do. He gave his life for us and he had lived a perfect life and he overcame sin and he took your place and my place so we don't have to try harder to please God. God cannot love you any more than he already loves you. Look at verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. We've already recognized that. That's the power of the resurrection. Why 
Current events do not have to sideline us at all. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And and just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living in you. You are not alone. He's with you and he's in you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Satan knows what your tendencies are. Satan knows that my tendency is to fall into into shame or comparison. And so he will do whatever he can to try to divert my attention to something or someone else that feel like I don't measure up. But he says here, because you have the Spirit of God living in you, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. You will not live out God's plan for your life. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You have the power and authority because of Jesus Christ in you to tell Satan to leave the table. He's not welcome at your table. Listen, self-absorption will rob you of God's best for you. When you try to to feed your own sinful nature, it leads you down a never-ending path because you never get enough of what you don't need. Never. You can feed it all you want, but self-absorption is never fed. It will never be satisfied. You never get enough of what you don't need. Self-absorption says this, and be careful. Self-absorption says, I can be disloyal to God, and everything will still work out in the end. We try to excuse ourselves by saying, I can handle this. It will be okay. I'll only do this once. I really don't have much choice. It's not that big a deal. Other people do this all the time. It's really not clearly forbidden in the Bible for me to do this. God's good. He'll forgive me. It's not like I do this all the time. Doesn't God want me to be happy? And here's the best of all. I deserve to be happy. And when we are self-absorbed, begin to believe that that is the way to find true life. When God says, no, 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 no. It's not found horizontally. It's found vertically in my relationship with you. Each of those statements that I just talked about, try to relieve the burden of conviction. Each is meant to cover the true allegiance of our hearts. Each is designed to enable us to feel okay about what God clearly says is not okay. And so Satan, again, he wants to have you to buy into your shadow mission, to use what you're really good at and how you're powerful and how you're gifted and how you're talented, but to use it for self-gratification that you're, it's all about you. It's all about me, 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 instead of looking out of how does God want to bless the people around you? That last song that we just sung, that God wants to bless us so that it impacts one generation after another generation after another generation and your children and your children and their children and their children and on and on and on. God has huge plans, but Satan does not want you to buy into that at all. Listen, self-absorption happens by taking shortcuts. When I meet with young couples who are considering getting married, I remind them, I'm not your moral police. 
But if you're sleeping together, you're taking something that's really good and, and plan for later and you're taking shortcuts and you're buying into a shortcut and the timing is not right. And my, my, my statement to them is if you're making a shortcut sexually, then once it's okay, once you're married, then what's the next shortcut? See, Satan understands that and he wants you to live to, to fulfill your own desires. We need to stay surrendered to the Holy Spirit. In fact, look at verses 5 and 6. But those who live according to the flesh, here it is, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Write this down. This is rocket science. Are you ready for this? Where you look is where you go. How's that? Where you look is where you go. Horizontally or vertically. And what this is saying is that that God has such huge plans for you, plans to give you this future and a hope, but we've got to set our minds on what God wants us to do. He wants us to set our minds upon him. We see in Romans 8, 15 to 17, if shame and self-absorption don't work, then he'll try fear. Look at verses 15 to 17. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And if we're his children, then we're his heirs And if we're co-heirs with Christ, indeed, we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. You are family. You have a place to belong. You don't have fear because you have a family that is with you. And you have a father who loves you, who's with you, who's in you, who has huge plans to give you a future and a hope. And he doesn't doesn't condemn you. If shame, self-absorption, and fear... Um, a fear of being alone doesn't work, then he'll communicate that the worst is yet to come. We know better than that. But let me close with this, Romans eight twenty-eight and 35 and 37. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That doesn't sound like the worst. That sounds like the best. Look at verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, will hardship, will persecution, will famine, will nakedness or danger or sword separate us from God? Look at verse 37. No, 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 no. In all these things, we are super conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else that could ever be created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. That sounds like the best is yet to come, not the worst. So what would I say? Be selective who's at the table because lives change at the table. Your mission is going to be determined 
and fulfilled by the time you spend with those around your table. Be so careful who's speaking into your life. I'd like for you uh, to take your phone and I want you to respond. And so if you would uh, respond by going to 402-260-2400. And I want to challenge you and we're going to talk through just a few bits of uh, discussion after this closing song uh, things that I want you to discuss but in in the text that just came to you you have opportunity to respond I'd like to talk to someone about following Jesus if you want to talk about uh, with someone about what it means to have the right people around the table and what it means to, to look vertically to Jesus Christ instead of looking uh, horizontally to other people or other things or even to look at our own selves if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, you say, I want to talk to someone about following Jesus. We would be honored to talk to you. Maybe you're ready to get into a group and think, I, this may be the beginning of a board of directors for me to get into a group that can speak life into me. Maybe on lower, in response to today's message, you want to let us know what you are sensing God speaking to you about so that we can pray for you there are specific places for you to write in prayer requests and we will pray uh, psalm 23 verse 5 over your prayer we're going to pray that god uh, brings healing or whatever your prayer request is but even greater that you would know that he's for you and that even in them being surrounded by your enemy that he would provide a feast for you because he's with you and he's in you and he's for you we would challenge you to do a Bible reading. Again, one of the most powerful things that I, I do for my own life to speak truth is, is to make sure I'm spending daily time alone in God's Word to allow God to speak to me. And we're doing another uh, devotional called uh, Shelter in Place, Part 2 by Joni Erickson Tata. Uh, it's a disruptive reading in a good way, and I'd encourage you to take that reading plan and, and listen to it. If you've not done part one, do part one. So in just a moment, we want to pray God's blessing over you, that, that you would ask God to, to live out his big, hairy, amazing, audacious goal for you, and that you would embrace God's mission, not the shadow mission. And we want to pray God's blessing upon you, and that you would just, in just a moment, as you... Um, listen to this closing song that you would just put your hands out and, and let the, the team be the voice of God to you at this point. When we're done uh, with this song, then remain together for just a few more minutes. And I'd like for you, there are more questions for follow-up, but there are three questions that I'd like for you to have discussion with with the people around you if if surrounded with others. Number one, who's sitting at your table influencing you right now? Another way to put it, who or what is influencing you the most? Number two, what is the evil one whispering to you? And number three, what is Jesus saying to you? He's speaking clearly because he has huge plans for you. There are more questions for you to uh, discuss, but before make sure before you leave uh, that you linger and have this discussion with you. Let me pray for us, and may may the Lord bless you 
and keep you through this next song. Father, I pray that our, our, those who are online, that they would experience an awakening like no other time, that they would feel loved, valued, cared for, that they would feel pursued, they'd feel loved by you. God, help none of us to live out our shadow mission, but to embrace your God-given mission for us. And Father, may we embrace what you have to say to us through this next song. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.